Pastor Katie. Thank you, Brandon. Hear now these words from the gospel. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. And again this week, this is Jesus talking. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we all find ourselves here this morning for many different reasons. Whatever reason it is that has brought us here, we pray that we leave as a people who have been transformed by an encounter with you through the songs, through the prayers, through the fellowship, and even through the preaching. We pray that your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The past few weeks we have wrestled with a lot of the the tough words of Jesus, these things that Jesus said that uh, we wish that Jesus had not said. Tough words, words about disowning your family. Words about uh, bringing swords instead of peace. Last week, people were likened to dogs. And once, we even heard Jesus compare his own followers to worthless slaves. This week's word is tough, but it's tough in a different sort of way. Do not worry, he says. I mean, out of all the things to say, do not worry. He might as well have said, 
Try not to breathe. Jesus, although fully divine, was also fully human. And to be sure, he knew how difficult it was or it is for us human types to not worry. It just comes natural, right? Even in times when we try to muster up enough strength, when we really dig our heels in deep, when we uh, grind our teeth and say, I'm not going to worry about this thing anymore, what ends up happening is we end up worrying whether or not we're not worrying good enough. Do not worry, he says. Didn't he know there's pandemics? Raising gas prices? Wars? Health concerns outside of pandemics? Do not worry. Why'd you say that, Jesus? I don't know about you, but I'm willing to bet that for many of you it is also the case. For me, it usually happens when I'm supposed to be at rest. Those moments late at night or early in the morning when my body and my mind is supposed to be at peace, and that one little worry creeps in. That first little worry creeps in, and before you know it, it has invited a whole bunch of his worrisome friends, and before long, they're having a worry party inside of my brain. They're in there getting down inside of my brain, inside of my spirit, and I'm supposed to be at rest. I don't know how it happens for you, but that's how it happens for me. Take last night. It goes a little something like this. I'm supposed to preach tomorrow three times. I hope they like my sermon. What if they don't like my sermon? What did I say that they didn't like? What if it wasn't what I said, but how I said it? What did I say that was wrong? Did they not like my sermon because they don't like my new shoes? You had to be here for the shoes thing. It's got to be the shoes. Oh, well, that's tomorrow. Stop worrying. Your shoes are fine. Your sermon is fine. Just get some sleep. Oh, wait, what was that noise? Probably just the cat. Wait a minute, I haven't seen the cat. Amber says something smelled funny in the closet. Oh no, I bet the cat's dead. The cat is dead in the closet. Bless its heart. Now the kids are going to want me to have a funeral for the cat. I hope they like my sermon. I want to miss the cat. I need to be asleep. We'll look for the cat tomorrow. I hope we can find the cat tomorrow. 
I bet nobody believes Barry's story about that hole-in-one. They're going to think I'm a liar. They're going to think that I turned Barry into a liar. This is terrible. I should have never made that hole-in-one. I'll show them I'll make another one this week. That'll show them. Can't believe they aren't going to like my new shoes. Poor cat. I wonder if I have enough life insurance. Wait, what if I'm like Bruce Willis in that one movie and I'm already dead? That's messed up. Me and the cat are both dead. Poor cat. Poor me. Go to sleep. I hope none of our children go to prison. Which one will it be? What did they do? Why, Olivia, why? Why did you do it? Were you forced to do it because I didn't have enough life insurance? You laugh because you identify. In a matter of a few minutes, one little worry can progress into several big worries. Worries about things that haven't happened and worries about a lot of things that are never going to happen. But that's how worry works. That's how it progresses. Before you know it, you don't like my sermons, you don't like my shoes, and you don't like our golf stories. The cat is hypothetically deceased, as am I, and at least one of my children is in prison. You all know what it's like. You do it too. Let's not pretend. Jesus says do not worry because that worry stuff is bad for the soul. It contaminates the spirit. Worry will hijack your peace. It will rob you of your rest. It will destroy your contentment. Worry is bad. But how do you stop it? How do you stop it? Remember, it's, it's natural. Kind of like breathing. Willpower is not enough. Jesus saying, do not do it. That's not enough. Jesus says lots of things, and that doesn't motivate us to actually do them. But thankfully, in this case, Jesus says more. Do not worry. And then he says some more. He provides the beautiful Uh, examples of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And after saying that the birds and the lilies have all that they need, Jesus says, you do too. You have all that you need so long as you seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Herein lies the solution. Here is 
the ever-elusive key to victory over worry. Seek first the kingdom. If we are seeking first the kingdom, we discover that much of what we worry about is far more insignificant than we realize. If we are seeking first the kingdom, we will come to discover that a lot of the things that we worry about are not kingdom of God types of things. Seek first the kingdom, and you will be just like the birds. You will be just like the lilies. You will find that you have all that you ever need without a single worry. It makes sense, right? I mean, Jesus really did some preaching here. Really. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. You don't have to worry. You'll be like a bird. No worries. Seek first the kingdom. Worry less. It's a good sermon. Good job, Jesus. You know, I preached the heart of this message before at, a, at another church and laid it out just like I laid it out in those previous few sentences. And after the service, I went to the door to, to, to greet people. And one of the ladies stopped by and she shook my hand and she said, Wow, what a sermon. That was really good. She said, We all worry too much. She said, Now, if I could just figure out how to stop doing it. She obviously did not hear the seek first part, which is also a reminder and important to note that we seek first the kingdom because that's what we are supposed to do, not just because we want to worry less. With that said, my experience with that particular lady in mind, I realized in my preparation for the message this week that I may need to flesh out a little more what seeking the kingdom first may look like. With that said, in the interest of your time and attentiveness, I will not go into great detail in regards to the various ways in which you can seek first the kingdom. We're not going to make a very long list. I am going to give you two suggestions for how you can practically start seeking first the kingdom of God, okay? Two practical suggestions on to how you can uh, seek first the kingdom of God. I'm not big on making lists and giving you all the answers. I'm not big on coming up with bulletin point suggestions for you because I trust that you will find some of this out on your own if you are taking it serious. But today, I'm going to break my own rules, and I'm going to offer two practical suggestions for how you may start the, 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 the search for the kingdom of God. This may sound familiar. Number one, look at the birds. Number two, consider the lilies. Jesus offers these examples in a way that, that shows that 
There's no point in worrying because all of creation gets what it, gets what it needs. But I offer these two suggestions so that you may see how necessary it is to see the kingdom as it is around you before you start seeking it in other places. To seek first the kingdom, you must see first the kingdom. Look at the birds. Consider the lilies. The kingdom of God is near you. Look up. Look around. The kingdom of God is near. Take note of it. It's in the ordinary. Right outside your window. In your day to day. Behold it. Utilize the senses that, that, that God has given you to be able to experience it. The kingdom of God is near you. Notice. Observe the beauty of the cardinal. Watch it. Stand in awe of the hibiscus bloom. Say wow when you see it. Start your kingdom seeking through kingdom seeing. Pay attention. God is with us. Do not worry. Let us pray. God, we